Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Here's what's going on in the minds of most employees. They screw up. They know they screwed up. And they're somewhere on a scale, on a continuum of shame and healthy remorse. They may feel appropriately bad about it. They may feel too bad about it. And they need your help to feel the right amount of bad about it in the right way. Happy New Year, everyone. It's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Welcome to 2019. The culture that you live and work in has a tremendous impact on what you feel. And as a manager, you're responsible for cultivating the culture in your organization. As a self-manager, you're responsible for cultivating the culture in your everyday life. Today, we look at three things you really want to be cultivating in your culture and how doing so can radically improve the lives of the people you manage. This four-part series is an excerpt from my online course, Accountability, Metrics, Money, and Shame, which is free for Clear and Open members. And listen up, we've got a brand new live course starting January 10th, 2019, and it's a good one, so I don't want you to miss out. It's called Managing with Inquiry, Create Powerful Change Through Radical Acceptance. If you've tried on the teachings of Clear and Open even just a tiny bit, you already know the real power is not in doing, but in undoing. In this new 11-week course, I'll be teaching you how to use the power of questioning yourself to create radical change. When you have the guts to look in the mirror, I mean really, really look, you can completely undo the limiting beliefs, negative patterns, and untrue but destructive assumptions that are holding you back and fast. I'm extra excited about this new course because I'm changing things up a bit and making this one a very hands-on workshop. You're going to get the kind of attention usually only my one-on-one clients get at a fraction of the cost. Each week, I'll work with people individually toward the benefit of the whole group. It's a great way to learn. And you're going to learn how to use inquiry with others so you can uncover the power of your colleagues and employees as well. It really does work. I'm predicting this will be the most powerful course I've ever taught because of the results I've seen in trying this model with my clients and certainly with myself. You're going to learn how to free up energy, time and focus by being more in reality than you've ever realized and less in stress, anxiety, and overwhelm that you're going to learn you've been making up. Imagine a life where whenever you feel stressed out or upset, you know you're just a few deep questions away from it all disappearing. If that's something you desire, then this course is for you. Find out more at clearandopen.com slash inquiry. That's clearandopen.com slash inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. So there are three words that I I was tossing around last night as I was thinking about today, um, what to do about it. Empathy, courage, and vulnerability. And these are all things Brene Brown talks about as well. Empathy is just being porous to the experience of the other person, just stepping into their shoes. Hey, I, you know, I realized that you were in a really difficult moment when that customer was yelling at you in front of everyone in the restaurant, and we need to talk about how you handled it. Right? When when you do that, you're you're normalizing it. You know, like your bad your mistake 
was understandable on some level. That ameliorates the shame response. It, it limits it, mitigates it. So that they let themselves off the hook a little bit. That's an example of empathy. You're just paying attention to what it's like to be them. Right? Or, hey, I realize you were in over your head over this job and that's on me. I shouldn't have given you, you know, this part of the project to do, I realize. And the minute you realized you were over your head, I needed to know about that. You can take some responsibility for your contribution. That's another way of being empathetic. And all of these three words have a lot to do with culture. Because you as leaders, as managers, you're defining how these exist in your culture. So courage. Courage is one of the most misunderstood concepts in our world. Most people will define it as fearlessness. And that is an enormous problem, in my opinion. Because if you're waiting to be fearless in order to act, you'll either stay really safe and not do anything very risky, or you'll be waiting forever. Courage comes from the Latin core or curare, um, which means heart. And its original meaning meant to speak from the heart about yourself totally. Goods and bads, strengths and weaknesses. And uh, like corazón is the same root in Spanish for heart. So in, in a business culture... You want people to be willing to take risks and make mistakes. And this is one of the biggest complaints that managers have, right? My employees won't take more responsibility. They won't take risks. They won't stretch themselves. What's the reason? You already know. Shame. Shame. Yes. See? So that's what you can do. Whatever, Whatever's not working, wherever you look in the world that's not working, just start with, okay, it's shame. Now, how does that play out? How do I connect the dots? Okay. If people aren't being courageous, it may be because they are afraid of making mistakes because if they make a mistake, it's going to go into the shame bucket for them, not the remorse bucket because they think too much that they are what they do rather than they are who they are. So it's not a job that a manager ought to have Strictly speaking, sort of ideally speaking, it shouldn't be the responsibility of a manager to help an employee discern between a shame response and a remorse response. But it is. <laughs> you know, in an ideal world where everybody's done 10, 15 years of really good therapy and they can handle their shame responses uh, and manage themselves, then when they made a mistake, and they'd be able to say, boss, you know what? For a couple minutes there, I was feeling totally worthless as a person. But I know that I'm a good person and I just made a mistake. Can you help me with this? Right? Wouldn't that be great? That's one in 10,000 maybe people. Right? The rest of them need you because they look to you. They screw up. Here's what's going on in the minds of most employees. They screw up. They know they screwed up. And they're somewhere on a scale on a continuum of shame and healthy remorse. They may feel appropriately bad about it. They may feel too bad about it. There could be anywhere on there, right? And they need your help to feel the right amount of bad about it in the right way. So as happens so often, I say, sorry, you kind of have to be their therapist. 
flow level therapy. You're not like processing emotion. You're just helping them perceive reality in an accurate way, right? You've all had the experience where an employee comes to you, uh, tells you about a mistake, and they feel way worse about it then. You're like, it's no big deal. Why'd you work yourself up? And you've had other experiences where they tell you a mistake and they're not feeling bad enough about it because you can connect the dots and you go, oh man. And you have to make them feel worse, right? As I say so often, a manager is just responsible for keeping the employee in reality. So they neither overestimate nor underestimate themselves and how well they're doing what they're doing. So you're the reality police. Maybe you like that better than therapist. At the end of the day, you got to be whatever the moment's called for. And what do you think I do? (laughs) You just got to, whatever it is, you got to be it. That's what a leader does. But I didn't know I was going to have to be a reality police when I started my business. Yeah. And the United Airlines guy didn't know that he wasn't supposed to drag people off the plane. <laughs> and Donald Trump didn't know that you know comedians around the world were making fun of him every day, despite the fact that that was the case with every other president before. So it's pretty easy to see the connection with accountability here because uh, accountability is is something that by its very nature, has the potential to stimulate a shame response. And so um, learning accountability well is learning how to navigate the shame response in a, a supportive way. As you said, show, show the employee that you, that you see them, I'm trying to remember how you put it, as a, as a, as a human being that's not a bad person, but, a, but someone who made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And so if you look at the accountability path, which is one of my courses, it's all text at the moment, but uh, the logic behind the accountability path, where it came from, one of the questions that, that created that in me was, how, what's the, how do you progressively hold someone more and more accountable and minimize the shame stimulation response? How do you do that? You buy in the first couple steps by asserting no manager authority whatsoever. Just like you're noticing, like, oh, look, the sun is out. Oh, look, you showed up late today. Everything okay? You know, as opposed to jumping down their throat the first time they do it, which will stimulate a shame response. So if you look at the accountability path, and the next time I rewrite it, I'll probably add a bunch of stuff about this in there. But if you look at the accountability path, it's all about supporting them as being a good person and not stimulating shame, which is, again, something you shouldn't have to worry about, but that's the world. And, you know, it could be that, you know, you could change someone's life radically if, for example, every time they make a mistake, they're beating themselves up so much that you can barely get a word in edgewise. If you hold up a mirror and show them that and say, hey, I noticed something about you. You have a really difficult time making mistakes. Did you know that about yourself? Maybe they don't. And do you realize how radically you can shift someone's life by showing them that? Or the alternative that actually they uh, don't really feel their impact on others? They don't really feel the impact of their actions? It's going to be harder to get that across, but that can be equally dramatic. And now we're in employee development land. Because you can radically change someone's life by doing this. And now you've created a workplace where they can use their mistakes as a way to stay in reality. I made this mistake. What does it mean? Okay, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. 
what does it mean? It means I need more practice with XYZ skill. That's what it means. Am I seeing this right, boss? Yes, you say. That's exactly right. Let's get you into a training program about not dragging employees off the plane. Because that's obviously the system solution United Airlines needs. You know, like all 30,000 employees need to go through the don't drag employees off the plane training. It's 12 weeks. <laughs> that's obviously the solution, right? So the, uh, the last word of vulnerability, we've been sort of talking about it implicitly, but the ability to talk about mistakes and weaknesses. There was this study that Google did uh, about management and what makes it work. And one of the things that came out of the study is they had a bunch of teams get together, teams that were you know, inter- cross-functional teams who were working on different projects. And one of the ways in which the most successful teams were operating was they began their weekly meeting with each person talking about a mistake they made in the last week. That was how they started the meeting. You think about that for a second. How would that change the relationship between the team members? How would that change the way the meeting goes if every meeting starts with each person talking about a mistake they made in the last week? That brings vulnerability to the conversation. And of course, each team member has to be strong enough to talk about their mistake without collapsing into shame. People who don't... I've actually been asking that question lately. Does anybody want to share a mistake they made this week so we can all learn from it? Cool. And I got that idea from a friend of mine who who um, has a very successful business uh, uh, building elevator cab interior components, building and installing. Mm-hmm. And he says that's part of his culture. Um, they have their regular meetings. And uh, well, well they, they have a program where people are encouraged to share their mistakes and maybe what they've learned about it. And they get, the more they do that, they get points towards some sort of a reward at the end of the month or something. Cool. Uh, the, the, the whole idea is that we want to, we want to eliminate our mistakes by reporting them so we can all learn from them. And that's a great example. That's a, a, a set of activities that strengthens the culture in terms of shame resilience. It encourages remorse or uh, critical hindsight without going into a shame bucket because it's public. Here's the mistake. Yay, made a mistake. In comedy improv, there's a a practice where when somebody screws up, everybody immediately starts applauding and cheering. Because in performance art, if you make a mistake and it, the, the, the idea behind that of immediately applauding is to sort of override the shame response. When you screw up, there's this contraction. And that contraction in comedy improv is really dangerous because you have to just flow. You have to immediately do whatever just comes with you. And if you screw up and you start practicing, I screw up and then I contract, it cuts off that flow. So it's just... That's why in comedy improv, they talk about the yes and, just yes and, again, more, yes, you just keep going. And that's how you get great at it. That's how those people can say, somebody name me a place and a time and a breakfast meal, and then they make something up with it. It's because there's just pure flow. There's no second guessing. There's no regret. Um, And that's a really highly flow state, not necessarily appropriate for work, but you get the idea. 
Toastmasters has something in their meetings called tabletops. Uh-huh. Someone stands up, uh, that people take turns standing up, and the tabletop guy says, gives them a subject to talk about, and they just have to create something yes. to talk about. Yeah, you see how that's related to shame, right? Because it that forces the person to strengthen any self-doubt, shame-type contraction and just go. Now, if you wanted to be really cruel, you would give someone an extemporaneous topic like that and then criticize them right after. Right, that would cause them to shut down and contract instead of saying, "Wow, for off the top of your head, that was amazing," and that sort of opens the aperture for that flow mechanism. This is the same reason why uh, writers say, "Well, if you want to write a book, write three pages a day, no matter what. Doesn't matter what it is, just write." Because what gets in, what is writer's block? Shame. You already know. Shame is the answer to everything. Now, where does shame come from and why is it there in the first place? Well, that's more complex, but we're not going to get into that. So empathy, courage, and vulnerability are three of the key ingredients to have as cultural values and practices. Uh, Peter, great story you shared there about the uh, sharing mistakes thing. That's a really easy way to do it. And that helps people change their relationship to their mistakes. So they can go, oh, mistakes are a part of learning. That's part of the culture here. Mistakes are, well, they're not ideal, but they're not a bad thing either. Right? Unless you keep making the same ones. I, I kind of like that, uh, the, the repetition of people uh, practicing being in reality. Yes. Through that exercise. That's yeah, cool. that's how it's a dojo. Exactly. That's how it's a living philosophy. Yeah. And then, of course, that translates into everything else because if they're focused on a level of personality of like, well, I want to know what my impact really is, then they're going to want to know what the customer really thinks and what their coworker really thinks. And their orientation starts being an uncontracted embracing of reality rather than a distorted, I'll take this from reality, but not that. I don't want that. You know? And it changes the way they are as human beings. But the best way to shift this is to start exploring shame themes in yourself. So that's why the assignment this week is some sentence completions. Uh, it's up in the online course. And uh, sentence completions, for those of you who've maybe never done them before, it's kind of like uh, automatic writing. You want to really let your unconscious flow through your pen and just write whatever comes out. Try to be as unconsidered as possible. You're not going to share this with anybody unless you want. Let anything that comes out, come out. So you can start to see. And this is one of the best ways I know to quickly get in touch with the, uh, some shame dynamics that might be in you. And vulnerability is a practice. You know, It's like, uh, I love Brene Brown's uh, term, vulnerability hangover. When you're vulnerable about something and then regretting it later for one reason or another. You know, but last thought, you know, vulnerability and um, admitting mistakes, it's easy to see that it's not weak. Yet we have our initial contraction is if people knew about this mistake, if people knew this about me, they would judge me. But how many times in your life have you shared about a mistake that you made with someone and they did that? Most of the time, isn't it true that they respect you more? And that's the meta space 
to look at in yourself. So when you feel like this, oh, I can't share this because if they knew that, then bad things would happen. That's the place to go. Has that been true in the past? Is that really true? Because that's the vulnerability that when you lead that in yourself, that will rub off you know, onto the people and below you and around you. So if I'm having difficulty getting people to respond to my question, anybody want to share mistakes? If, if I make a habit of always sharing one myself to get the, break the ground, that would be a, a useful method. Yeah, and I wouldn't ask. I'd say, does anybody want to? And I said, I'll wait 10 seconds, count to 10. And I'd say, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to share one of my mistakes, and then each of you is going to do the same. Mm-hmm. But, cool. you know, you don't... If if you make it too optional, their shame responses are going to keep them quiet. Hmm. I so could pu- name that. So push, yeah, push them, mm-hmm. and then they can, they can experience how they're not judged. You do yeah. that enough times, they'll start to trust the space. Could even clap for them. Exactly. Woo! Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the Clear and Open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.